two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor Program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of Your Financial Editor Program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast, you just go to uh, the App Store, or excuse me, to uh, iTunes and download it as a uh, podcast or go to Google Play. Um, so glad to have you along today. I hope your weekend's going well. hope things just in general are going well for you. Good program uh, laid out for you. Some really interesting news uh, this week that we'll talk about. And also joining me, a friend of the program, Miss Karen Kerrigan. She is the CEO of the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. Um, and she's going to give us uh, just some real insight as to what's going on with small businesses. Obviously, there's been a, a massive change uh, that is already underway when it comes to how businesses uh, will be treated and um, the opportunities that are going to be out there going forward. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, so, you know, when we talk about the top stories of this week, obviously one of the big ones was the uh, announcement of uh, from Biden uh, and his proposal for additional spending. Uh, it looks like it's going to be about $1.9 trillion. Dollars. So um, people that are already waiting on their $600 check, uh, if this goes through, they're going to have an additional $1,400 check. Uh, it doesn't matter if you didn't miss a day of work. You're just going to get a free two grand. It's just not free because it's just more uh, crazy debt that's being piled on to weaken our country. Um it looks like uh, they're going to extend uh, unemployment benefits, so again, encourage people uh, not to work as opposed to opening the economy back up. Uh, federal minimum wage hike, they uh, they packed that in there. And, um, it, you know, bail out these poorly Democratic-run cities, states, and towns uh, for years and years and years of mismanagement, poor management, no management, really, because they don't know what they're doing. Um, and they never, you know, had any type of uh, management or, you know, real job experience for, for so many of them. So um, before the uh, elections, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin was what I would call the firewall. And everybody was playing politics and saying, you don't want relief to go out. No, we just didn't want a bunch of stupid spending and unnecessary debt. And this is exactly what we're getting now because he's out of the picture. So um, this is uh, really, really a shame. And there's going to be a tremendous amount of uh, unnecessary spending and, uh, like I mentioned, bailouts. It's it's really a shame uh, to reward such poor behavior, that, that moral hazard, if you will. Um, and then... I'll switch gears. You know, millennials really take it on the chin. They're the butt of many jokes, aren't they? But it was great to see this week that young Americans have managed to double their wealth despite the virus. So data came from the Federal Reserve that shows millennials, the generation that, you know, also faced the uh, 
2008-2009 recession, the housing bust, all that nonsense, that um, they've surpassed a staggering $10 trillion in wealth. So good for all of you that are out there working hard and being smart and, you know, maybe starting businesses or um, venturing into, uh, you know, areas that obviously take a lot of risk. Uh, but, you know, you're willing to do that and enrich yourself and create jobs for other people. Literally, you know, I'm sincere in saying congratulations on that. You know, the, the findings looked at consumer wealth between 2019 and the third quarter of 2020 and found that the net worth of millennials, which, by the way, they're the folks born between 1981 and 1996, uh, that, that increased, that net worth increased 21%. So uh, that was really good to see. Uh, good news from the Federal Reserve uh, in that regard. You, you do see, though, that millennials are still carrying a substantial amount of debt. Um, and then, of course, you look at this additional debt that we've been talking about uh, with these, uh, whatever you want to call them, bailout, relief, um, spend, virus spending packages, whatever. But it's just debt, and so much of it is unnecessary and just pure politics. I don't know how these. I don't know how they sleep. It, it's amazing, um, and it looks like with uh, you know, Bernie Sanders as the uh, chair of the Budget Committee for the Senate, it's not going to be a pretty picture uh, going forward for sure. So, um, but once again, congratulations to the millennials. So we had a lot of uh, nonsense going on in uh, with these big technology companies uh, the last 10 days or so. Uh, it was good to see that Twitter shares were really under pressure on Monday after the platform deleted President Trump's account. Uh, shares fell more than 10% at the opening bell. Uh, their market capitalization took a real uh, uh, gut punch, if you will, Facebook and Alphabet, which, you know, Alphabet's the parent company of Google, and they also own YouTube. They were also lower after uh, President Trump's accounts were removed from their platforms. So, you know, you've and all it was was the president. Uh, his tweet was the 75 million great American patriots who voted for me, America first and make America great again, will have a giant voice long into the future. So um, Jack Dorsey, the uh, founder of Twitter and just a, a total ignoranus, um, you know, he decided that uh, he was going to take down uh, that um, feed as well as many others. So um, and the other thing was they said, well, President Trump said he wasn't going to be at the inauguration on January 20th. So what? I mean, that was just a statement. He's not going to be there. It's what he's decided. And, and they act like it's some type of crazy event. Know your history. John Adams in 1801 didn't go. His son in, what was it, like 1809, he didn't go. Andrew Johnson didn't go in 1869. This isn't like a first. And is as... As tense as everything is right now, I think it's the right thing to do, not go. It should allow things to, you know, to be calmer and let them have their little honeymoon uh, for the day. So I thought it was good. I think big tech 
as people I think have become aware of, are just really overstepping their bounds. I mean, I closed my Twitter account, closed my Facebook account, reserve, uh, excuse me, um, uh, closed my subscription to the Wall Street Journal. All these people and companies that are acting like they can tell you what to do and what to think and how to act and treat you like sheep or a mushroom. You're one of those two if you, you know, if you buy into what they're doing and what they're telling you, this group think. Um, we don't need them. You know, we don't need them at all. Actually, Twitter and Facebook this week, when the last time I checked, had lost $51 billion in combined market value. It was erased since, uh, their, uh, you know, since, since they, uh, basically banned President Trump and many other people. Good. That's the way to get them. That's, that's the best way to get them. And they'll make excuses and say this and that, and they'll buy back their stocks and put, push prices, uh, up and, you know, make it look like they're not losing money. But that's the best way to get them. And there's other alternatives. As a matter of fact, it was interesting. The private messaging app, it's called Signal, uh, held its position from Monday into Tuesday as the number one free app on both the App Store and Google Play. So the app garnered about 1.3 million global downloads on the App Store Monday. And they're thinking that they've had about 63.1 million downloads since uh, Signal has been around. So it's an encrypted messaging app, meaning that the company cannot access any messages or calls made by the users on the app. Um, what's really interesting, just back on January the 4th, Signal ranked at number 750 in overall U.S. downloads. But again, once uh, the president was booted, the app became more popular. Also, Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla, he actually told his followers to use the service and also took a shot at Facebook and, and even at Apple saying, you know, maybe it's time for Tesla phones and for some other Tesla products because everyone is being, um, you know, is, is being treated so poorly and uh, being discriminated against if you make a simple comment like I'm not going to the inauguration, like that that's some type of violent threat. And I know you've probably heard that the Ayatollah um, of Iran, you know, he can still put up stuff on Twitter saying uh, death to Israel, death to America, and we're going to wipe you out and blah, 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 you know, all the dumb stuff that that uh, that they put on from the Middle East. Um, and all the misinformation from commun uh, communist uh, China, from that political party. Uh, but you're going to take all these other folks off. Um, they're pathetic. And, again, I, I really hope that uh, they are punished and people do get off of their platforms. There are alternatives out there. Uh, everyone just needs to do a little homework and decide what's best for them. And I'll give you a perfect example. Do you remember a couple years ago when uh, Gillette had that just totally stupid commercial about toxic 
masculinity. You remember what an epic failure that was? They thought they were going to be, you know, super smart. Whoever the ad agency is, well, you know, the ad agencies up in New York, they're just really a, a conduit from the entertainment industry out in L.A., and, you know, on the West Coast. But for them to think that they were going to be successful with that. So what happened? People stopped buying Gillette. Now, what did Gillette say in their earnings report? Because their sales were down so much with their razors business, they said that guys weren't shaving as much. That was their excuse. They wouldn't admit that, you know, people just weren't buying their junk anymore. And they were going to alternatives, which, by the way, I did. I haven't touched anything Gillette since then. I'm very proud of it. Um, but, yeah, that's what they put. Yeah, we took an $8 billion, $8 billion, $8 billion write-down in that business. And it's because people aren't shaving as much. There's, It's like there's some new phenomenon that's happened. So I hope the exact same thing happens with um, – with Facebook, with Twitter, with YouTube, any any of those uh, companies uh, and services, I hope they're punished as as hard as they can be. I'm going to get a quick break in here. Before I do, uh, our download right now, it's a complimentary download at murrayfinancialgroup.com. Are you paying too much in taxes and retirement? This is the last week it's going to be up. So if you want that complimentary download, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Click it. It'll go right to your email uh, inbox, and then you can just read it on uh, on your screen. Or you can print it off and make notes and um, make some questions about, you know, what's important to you and what's going to be helpful uh, to you as far as the, the report goes. So, again, MurrayFinancialGroup.com, are you paying too much in taxes in retirement? Just click the button. It's right on the home page. It goes right to your uh, inbox, and enjoy. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. So you can uh, download uh, from the uh, App Store, Google Play, and uh, listen to it uh, as a podcast or share it if you'd like. Um, and, uh, was, you know, talking at the top of the program about big stories of this week, we touched on some of those as far as big tech during the uh, first segment one of the unfortunate things that we saw this week was more uh, very poor news on the jobs market. So we learned that last week the number of American workers seeking state unemployment benefits blew by expectations. They came in at 965,000. That's a historically high amount. It points to obviously the all the problems 
that are plaguing the labor market, these shutdowns and mandatory restrictions. Um, it's just taking its toll and then some. Um, they had thought that 795,000 folks were going to uh, file for those jobless claims. But again, 965,000 up 181,000 from the previous week. So this was a total surprise. I don't think anybody saw it coming, and it really rippled uh, through Wall Street and everybody else uh, that was paying attention. So I, you know, I mean, what are you going to do if you have these, as I said, these new restrictions on businesses? It's going to create job loss. And that's exactly what we saw. And instead of focusing on cranking up the economic engine of this great country, you're going to send checks out. And then you're going to sweeten the unemployment, even if you never missed a, a, a paycheck, by the way. This is just this is the dumbest thing I've, I've ever financially I've ever been exposed to. And I've seen a lot of stuff in 30 years, you know, tracking all this and, and paying attention and understanding it. Um, it's terrible for the country in so many ways, not just financially, obviously so many ways. Uh, as far as inflation, um, no real big surprise from the, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index this week. We saw that um, it was up four-tenths of a percent last month, 60% of that gain was from the jump in gasoline prices. And that's really a shame. And um, again, if you have listened to the program, you know my stance on this. If you're new, I'll tell you real quick. It was such a blessing to become energy independent because when energy prices go up, it hurts the poor and it hurts those on fixed income the most. There's nothing you can do about it. If you've got to drive, you've got to put gas in your car. If you want to stay warm and you have heating oil as your source, you've got to put that in the tank. So when these prices go up, which unfortunately with the um, uh, new people that are coming in and the way they view this uh, with the the new Green Deal and um, – all this other stuff that's much of it's unproven and very expensive. Who's it going to hurt? I mean, you and I, sure. Fuel goes up 10, 20, 30 cents a gallon, 50 cents a gallon, a dollar. We can weather that storm. We have before. But if you're poor or if you're a single parent and you're working your tail off and you're, you know, running up and down the road to your job, it's going to hurt you. And it's immediate. This isn't like something that's going to happen maybe if Congress does X, Y, or Z. You're seeing it already that fuel prices are going up, and that's who it hurts. People don't want to admit that, but it's true. It's true. Um, also, we saw this week that the National Federation of Independent Business uh, Owners, their small business optimism index declined uh, five and a half points came in at a reading of 95.9. So that fell below the average index value going back to 1973. 
Nine of ten index components declined. And the NFIB chief economist, Bill Dunkelberg, who's been on the program before, I was reading his quote. Uh, I brought it with me. This month's drop in small business optimism is historically very large. And most of the decline was due to the outlook of sales and business conditions in 2021. Small businesses are concerned about potential new economic policy in the new administration. So you're seeing immediate uh, reaction after uh, the elections in November. And, uh, of course, even we'll see different ones and more probably in uh the elections from January. Also, I saw that the Commerce Department came out this week and said applications to start new U.S. businesses plunged in the fourth quarter because of the virus. So the Commerce Department said applications were down 28.5% last quarter. All four regions in the United States recorded a decrease. The virus has worsened. You know, you've got restaurants and other consumer facing businesses suffering, really suffering. You've got at least just shy of 18 and a half million Americans are on unemployment benefits. And what's really sad, a lot of economists, which I don't put much into what economists say because they're generally wrong, but a lot of economists expect employment will return to its pre-pandemic level in 2023. <laughs> so to think that they're right and we have to go through this for two more years or two and a half years, whatever they're thinking is just, it's terrible. We also saw that the U.S. government posted a December budget deficit of $144 billion. That's a record for the month of December. Um Again, spending money on this virus, unemployment benefits, all kinds of stuff, according to the Treasury Secretary. So $144 billion for the month of December. You know what it was in 2019 for the month of December? $13 billion, which was bad enough. 2020 December, $144 billion upside down for one month. Outlays were up 40%. That means they're spending our money 40% more than the previous year. And you look at the cumulative U.S. deficit for the first three months of fiscal 2021, which started October 1. We're already in a whole $573 billion before these idiots are pushing these other um, packages out of debt. That's scary, scary stuff. We turn our attention to uh, the Federal Reserve. We did get the beige book this week. Uh, no big surprises, obviously, uh, in the 12 districts around the country. Uh, you did see pain. Um, you know, people are worried about si businesses, I should say. They're worried about sales and other uh, activity. And you look at New York and Philadelphia and Cleveland, they're all losing steam uh, because they're so poorly run. 
And then, of course, the uh, politics that are involved and have been involved with the virus and shutdowns and the mandatory shelters in place and all that unconstitutional type activity um, is just uh, impacting, like I said, every district. You look at our district in particular, we fall under the Richmond Federal Reserve District or excuse. Yeah, district. We're in that district. And I was reading in the uh, the, the national summary of the beige book and for richmond it said the regional economy grew modestly in recent weeks employment and wages showed modest increases while prices grew at a moderate pace the housing market remained strong while commercial real estate leasing remained soft uh port and trucking volumes were high and manufacturing activity showed a moderate increase so our district didn't seem to to um to be hurt too badly. So that was good to see. And nothing's going to change with the Fed. There was a bunch of uh, Federal Reserve officials speaking this week. They're singing the same song. Um, actually, it's two songs. One is things are going to get better and maybe quicker than what we think. And then that's the good part of it. And then they also say, but even though that's the case and our expectations, we're going to leave interest rates at rock bottom. And we're um, also going to continue spending 70 or 80 billion dollars a month. Um, so, as I've mentioned many times before, when Janet Yellen was at the Fed, if things are so good, quit spending money. If things are so good, crank up interest rates a little bit. All you're doing is punishing people that are risk adverse. And they're afraid of the stock market or the bond market or the real estate market. They want to put their money in the bank. But guess what? 0.01% interest doesn't cut it. So you're punishing those people. Generally, those people are senior citizens. And as I mentioned, they're risk adverse. But because you want to make things look good, not organically, not organic growth like we saw um, the last few years before the virus, not tremendously positive jobs numbers and economic activity verified, by the way. That's organic growth. That's the American economic engine humming along. But no, now we're, everything's artificial once again. And it's really a shame. Um, but that's just the case. So uh, another quick break, uh, some news for you. Uh, again, if you go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, right there on the homepage, the complimentary download, are you paying too much in taxes in retirement? Uh, it's the uh, last week that that's going to be up. So if you want that complimentary uh, report, go ahead and, um, and click that, uh, and it will go right to your email inbox, and then you can read it on your screen, or a lot of people print it out and make notes and questions and whatnot and um, really benefit from it that way. The world is closing in. Did you ever think that we could be so close like brothers? It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. 
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio, 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And also as a podcast, you can go to uh, iTunes or to Google Play and listen to it uh, as a uh, podcast. If you want to re-listen to the program, share it with someone you think that uh, may benefit from it, help yourself. That's why uh, we take advantage of those technologies. Um, just extremely happy to have a friend of the program joining us this morning, Miss Karen Kerrigan. She is the president and the CEO of the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. Uh, she's gracious enough to come on a few times uh, every year uh, to kind of give to, to give us that insight as to what's really going on on the ground when it comes to small business out there, what they're dealing with, what their successes are, what their problems are. And obviously, you know, um, we have a lot to talk about this morning. Good morning, Karen. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you. It's always great to join you. Well, I love talking with you, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. I know how busy you are, so myself and all of our listeners really do appreciate that. I guess we'll start out by um, if you can just kind of give us a summary of how things went for uh, the businesses out there in 2020, because I know you advocate for them, but also, you know, you're in contact with them. So what was 2020 like for those uh, folks? Well, gosh, a year like no other, right, Chris? Um, you know, our, our our members and small businesses and the entrepreneurs that I talked to on Main Street went into 2020 with very high hopes, and then COVID hit. Uh, and with that, um, just, you know, revenues and the shutdowns that dramatically impacted their business. You know, it seemed that, uh, you know, Washington got itself together pretty quickly to pass through a relief and recovery package at the get-go. There are issues with that, and, you know, we need to fix certain things regarding PPP and EIDL, um, and things seemed like they were getting a little better in the summer, and there was some momentum in the economy. But at that point, we really called for a look at, we need, you know, now we need another round of PPP. We need some changes because, you know, we knew what would happen in the fall with respect to the surge in the virus and what a lot of government responses would be to that, which was, you know, restrictions on economic mobility and shutdowns. And, you know, so it, that didn't happen. And therefore, the fall and uh, winter months have been very, very tough on small businesses without that relief. And, you know, we finally got it at the end of this year. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, which will help some small businesses. But it's it's just been really tough. I um, but, you know, there were some tax incentives, other tax measures. You know, folks visit our website, sbecouncil.org. They'll find a long list of things that were in that year-end package that they may be able to benefit from, you know, both in terms of their uh, their taxes last year and their cash, cash position moving forward in 2021. And, um, and we're still advocating for, you know, more relief, not to raise taxes, not to impose new regulations. It's a new Congress, a new year. And in order to claw back and to dig out of this hole um, and to create more jobs, I mean, small businesses just cannot have new costs and mandates imposed on them, um, you know, particularly given we're still in the midst of COVID right now and all these government restrictions. Yeah, exactly. So you referenced the uh, CARES Act uh, back in the spring, and you mentioned the PPP, which uh, the Paycheck Protection Program, for anyone listening that's not familiar with that. Was 
Karen, do you think that was a success? I mean, did it accomplish what uh, it was set out to accomplish? You know, I think it, it, it did for some businesses. Obviously, with that, what was first the 75-25 split, you know, 75 for payroll, 25 for other expenses, and that got moved down to 60-40. I mean, that was still a barrier for many businesses who really had – you know, more overhead expenses, rent costs, you know, as opposed to payroll. So, you know, yes, there were businesses that did benefit from that. Um, it did help a lot of businesses uh, from uh, – help them through and, and navigate some very tough months and, and to maintain employees. It could – that second – this other round that we had uh, could have came earlier. There's been additional changes that we think will be very helpful and, um, you know, we just – more is going to be needed. There's no doubt about it in terms of at least some type of long-term, uh, you know, recovery uh, loan program, something that businesses can pay off over the long term at very low interest rates, or even uh, a co-investment fund concept that we're, uh, you know, pushing up on the hill in the administration to leverage um, – uh, crowdfunding, investment crowdfunding to, um, uh, you know, to supercharge local investment dollars. So there's a lot of things that need to, to happen in order to help existing businesses, but also, uh, uh, Chris, 3.5 million people um, uh, applied for an employer identification number to start a business. So we, we want them to to actually take the next step and do it. <laughs> and also we need them to succeed and create jobs. They're going to need capital. They're going to need economic certainty. So, um, uh, you know, there's more that's going to be needed in terms of smart policy uh, to get us back to robust growth and, and help these startups uh, get going and help existing small businesses continue to pivot and then uh, hopefully get back to health. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we uh, were talking earlier in the program. I mentioned a report I saw this week from the Commerce Department saying that applications to start new businesses that you referenced, you know, there are people out there doing that or wanting to do that, but they were down 28.5%. Um, so, you know, you've already got the existing businesses out there that really are having, as you said, such a hard time. Um, so you don't have that part of the economic engine roaring. And then on top of that, you don't have the new seeds being dropped in, uh, basically, you know, in a fertile soil so that we can see new economic growth and new business growth. And right. it's, uh, it's very disheartening. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a positive person and I know you're very positive. And when we spoke last year, you even mentioned, Hey, times like this, they prevent opportunities for certain people and that's wonderful. And I know we've seen some of that, but it's also just um, it's it's very difficult for people. So I'm with you uh, 100% that they need to make things as easy as possible for business owners and folks that do want to start their new businesses. Yeah, and, you know, I will add just one more um, side note on the PPP program. You know, it is up and running this next tranche. Um, as of today, January 15th, they've opened it to more small lenders. Um, on January 19th, Tuesday, it'll be opened up to all lenders, uh, for first and second, uh, draw, um, uh, uh, those who need a second draw loan. So it, it has opened or reopened, we think, at a pretty good pace. You know, and in addition, 
I will add, Chris, that over a million um, very small loans have already been forgiven, totaling over $100 billion. So <clears throat> the forgiveness process does seem to be moving quite rapidly. I think that's a, another good story uh, to share um, because, as you know, that whole uh, for forgiveness process, a lot of businesses are very concerned about how long that would take, red tape, you know, um, so that's moving along. Um, you know, you talk about new business, but also existing businesses. Um, uh, President-elect Biden gave a big speech last night, and one of the things that we didn't want to hear was barriers, right? What are barriers to growth and bringing on employees and getting back to normal? And, you know, he brought it up, that minimum wage, <laughs> you know, that calling for a $15 minimum wage and we're all for great wages as you know because when small businesses succeed they you know they uh that success is passed down to their employees they want to maintain good employees but you know that 15 dollar minimum in certain areas of the country with certain businesses you know how businesses are structured you know that's tough and and that's hitting a lot of small businesses when they are down <laughs> really down right when it's, they're at their toughest hour so we're going to be uh, out there on that advocating and saying, look, at this is the last thing that small businesses need right now are new costs and new mandates, you know, from Washington that could potentially just, you know, be the last straw uh, for many of these businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen it time and time again. I don't know why they don't uh, understand and admit it that you start talking about these minimum wages. I tell people, can you say the word kiosk? Because you're going to get you're you're going to see technology at any time possible replace a person if they're forced into certain wage requirements because the math just doesn't work and I know you probably know a you know a gazillion stories of that I know I've read many uh, cases where you know people had maybe two or three subways and then a certain district decides we're going to mandate a minimum wage and you see that they close down two of them leave one and all of those other folks are out of work and it's just it doesn't make any sense so i wish you all the best in um you know pushing back on that particular part of uh of of what's being talked about with this incoming administration quick break and then when we come back we'll uh, take a couple minutes to wrap up our conversation with our guest this morning miss karen kerrigan she's a ceo and president of the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. And um, if you would like, you could go to sbecouncil.org and get a ton of really good, worthwhile uh, information and know what's really going on around the world when it comes to uh, business. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, you can get the uh, program as a podcast. 
iTunes and uh, Google Play, even though I was bad-mouthing uh, both of those at the beginning of the program because of their overreach. Um, if you do want to leverage that technology, uh, it's there for you to re-listen to a program or share it uh, if you see fit, especially one like today where we've got a wealth of knowledge coming from our guest, Ms. Karen Kerrigan, who is the uh, CEO and the president of the Small Business Administration, right in the middle of the fight, uh, believe me, and has been for many, many years a wonderful advocate for business. And um, I guess, Karen, you know, one of the things that we all uh, realize is there's new people that are going to be coming into to the picture. Um, how do you feel about uh, what you're already kind of hearing and seeing as far as the folks that you're going to have to uh, try to work with as best as possible? You know, the good news, Chris, is that many of them have reached out to us. I mean, I've heard from the uh, the uh, uh, Secretary of Commerce nominee, you know, has uh, given a call. Uh, the uh, SBA uh, administrator nominee, uh, there's been, you know, various folks in the Biden administration that reached out. So that's good, right? I mean, it's good that they want to hear from you and, they want to, uh, uh, you know, hear what's happening on the ground, but also your recommendations for policy. So that's, I think, very good. Um, and, and we'll work with them, as you know. We work with both parties. We agree to disagree. But there are, you know, certain things that we've been able to move with across administrations, uh, a positive agenda for small business. And we just fight where we don't think something is fair, reasonable, or good for small business. And, and we'll do the same with this administration. I would say the one position. There's a couple that I'm, um, I'm, we're watching very closely. One, uh, the incoming Labor Secretary, who's the, the mayor of Boston, very tied to the labor movement, uh, very uh, actually a former labor union member. And um, labor is just very uh, influential within the Biden administration. And therefore, you saw that $15 minimum wage. There were a lot of good reforms that were passed by the Department of Labor uh, regulatory changes and relief, modernizing rules like the independent contractor rule. Uh, we're very concerned about labor policy. And, again, you can't create jobs and hire people when you have labor cost impediments like a higher minimum wage and, and some of these other regulatory costs that relate to labor. The other um, is a Securities and Exchange Commission, the, uh, the nominee uh, for the chair, Gary Gensler, Nice guy, um, but very much uh, a big regulator, I mean, a hyper-regulator. And there's been a lot of capital formation, capital access changes that have been made um, at the SEC, benefiting small retailers, but also small businesses. A lot on the investment crowdfunding front recently that will really supercharge uh, investment crowdfunding. And then just changes in general. And so we're concerned about potential rollbacks you know, getting hyper-regulatory, and then that putting a crimp on capital formation and capital access. So when you're talking about capital and you're talking about labor costs, I mean, hello, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, those are two big things that really concern small businesses uh, in terms of really being, being able to operate competitively and to scale competitively and take advantage of growth opportunities, but also to survive in the marketplace. So, I mean, those are just a few thoughts. Um, definitely we'll be working on some things on a positive uh, nature, global trade issues, probably technology issues. But, uh, um, you know, those those are two standout, uh, you know, issues or 
agencies that are going to be watching very closely and making our voice heard uh, and very loudly <laughs> on potential changes that could hurt entrepreneurship and small business. Yeah, well, and that's much appreciated because, again, we know from the uh, previous administration, there was a lot done uh, by the Labor Department as an agency to bypass uh, Congress. And uh, I don't think that that's the way the country, you know, in, intended to uh, to operate. So I hope that these folks don't uh, kind of go back retro to that type of uh, of, of thinking. Uh, because what I found was there were so many people that didn't even know things were going on or policies were being put in place because they weren't going through Congress. So they weren't being talked about. They were just kind of being pushed through from one agency or the other. So I appreciate you bringing that up because hopefully that'll stick towards the front of some people's minds uh, when they hear about these confirmation uh, processes and, and things of that nature. Yeah, well, I think the, the Biden administration knows it has a lot of leeway on the regulatory front in the agencies. They have There's a lot that they can do. And, um, you know, I, I just think that Rolling back some of the positive modernization changes and relief changes will be extremely disruptive uh, for the business community in general, not just small businesses. And we need for all businesses to be operating on, you know, 100% or more in order to get us back to back to healthy growth. Uh, and again, to be making regulatory changes that are not good for business uh, in the coronavirus economy. Uh, again, could just be, uh, you know, the death knell for certain industries or, or certain businesses that are barely getting by. So it's not good for investment. Businesses are not going to invest when they see regulatory clouds on the horizon. Uh, and I think many of them are holding their breath right now and, and are wait, waiting to see what happens. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens January 20th when uh, uh, President-elect uh, Biden is actually uh, sworn in as our next president. And as I said, we are going to be at the table looking for things, items, issues to work together on. There's no doubt we'll make our voice heard, but we will definitely stand up for small business when we see that something is going to impact them negatively and um, and, and hurt their ability to recover uh, in this very challenging climate. Well, we appreciate that. And, and I mean that sincerely, as always, um, you know, that you do stand up and, and especially for so many of the the little men and women, you know, that, that don't have a loud voice, folks like you that advocate and aren't afraid of a fight and a debate, um, you know, that's really what makes the difference. And like you pointed out a moment ago, no regulation and overreach is ever um, a good thing for business. But right now in particular, it, it really is uh, just it's got to be devastating for so many of those folks out there. Um, so I, I appreciate, you know, what you do, Karen. Thank you so much. And also, you know, for, for sharing, uh, firsthand, you know, your experiences and the different things that, that you see and who you're helping and how. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Again, folks, you can go to sbecouncil.org and, uh, find uh, a ton of information that you really will be educated. And, and benefit from as well. So, Karen, thanks so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of the weekend, and I hope your uh, schedule permits, you know, later in 2021 to come and join us and give us an update. 
Oh, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll be back. I'll be back, Chris. And thank you for giving us a voice, as always. I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Have a good uh, rest of the weekend. And uh, that does it. We would have continued speaking with Karen, of course. But as always, we uh, we get up against the, the hard break. So we have to, um, uh, to, to end it there. Uh, just want to remind you, this is the last... Um, a week that the uh, complimentary downloads available. Are you paying too much in taxes and retirement? Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's on the home page here. Just click that uh, button, and it uh, comes erect, uh, electronically right to your email, so you can read it uh, on your computer or uh, smartphone, or you can print it off and make notes and questions and things of that nature. So um, enjoy that, uh, and then I will talk with you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Uh, that's a live weekday mornings, 5.50, 6.50, And then we'll be back here next week for another uh, edition of the Your Financial Editor program. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. editions of this program are available in the audio vault at wfmd.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.